This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Yeah, good to see all of you this morning. Thank you so much for being here. Praise God. We want to welcome those of you that may be watching uh, via the internet. We're glad and delighted that you can be with us as well. Praise God. Thank God the Bible says this is the day the Lord has made. So we're going to what? What else are we going to do? Yeah, glory to God. You know, that's what the Bible says. How many of you know when you do the Bible, when you obey the Bible, you know, life turns out pretty good. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Glory to God. So every day we awaken, we should be thankful. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible talks about being thankful. You know, and be thankful, be thankful, be thankful. I mean, repeatedly throughout the Scripture. I mean, primarily, of course, well, Old Testament and New, for that matter, that we're to be thankful. And it's unfortunate because a lot of times you talk to some folk and uh, there's not much uh, thankfulness in their conversation. They have a lot of problems. Uh, They complain a lot. Uh, They're not very happy and all of that, all of the above. But I tell you what, praise God, if you're a believer, a child of God, you ought to rejoice. Glory to God. Your citizenship, the Bible says, is in heaven. So you've got a bright future. Turn to your neighbor and say, your future's bright. Now, if you're not a believer, well, then that's, that's not the case. I said that's not the case. But thank God if you're a believer, it, your future's bright. And that's not to uh, minimize the challenges and difficulties that people have in this life. You know, it's unfortunate we live in a fallen world, but if you want to blame someone, go talk to Adam when you get to heaven. Say, you screwed this up, man. And uh, then you'll have to forgive him anyway, because thank God, uh, it's all under the blood. Jesus came, the second Adam, and made everything right. And so thank God for that, amen? Glory to God. Well, anyway, did y'all bring a Bible with you this morning or a device that you use? Let's open our Bibles to First <clears throat> uh, John chapter 5, First Epistle of John chapter 5. We're using this as our text uh, for this particular series of uh, lessons or uh, messages that we're sharing with you, talking about King Jesus, the victorious one. Glory to God. I tell you what, that makes my heart rejoice. You know, because there's so much going on in the world, you know, and if you fixate on that, you can get kind of uh, unhappy. But thank God, Jesus is coming again. You know, ever since all of this thing's uh, gotten started, I really uh, feel um, mandated, I don't know if that's the right word, compelled, maybe it's a better word, to talk to, be, talk to people, talk to the church about the coming of Jesus. You know, we kind of pass it off, you know. We say, well, you know, we're kind of like the folk, you know, that uh, Peter made reference to, you know, in one of his letters where he talked about, well, where is the sign of his coming? Everything continues on as it is and was and, you know, nothing's going on. Listen to me. Something's going on. Jesus is coming again. The culmination of all things that God spoke from the foundations of the world are coming into a full manifestation. And you know what? The Bible makes it clear that you and I are to be watching and waiting. And I'm surprised at how many folk aren't waiting. 
You know, now if I get on a little soapbox here this morning, um, I, I, I actually prayed. I said, God, I said, don't let this be me. Let this be you. You know, I mean, you know, that, that, that what I share with you is of a divine essence, not me. But, you know, in, in recent conversations with different individuals who are believers, um, I've been disappointed because the focus has not been on King Jesus. It's been on everything else. And in many cases, um, Jesus isn't even part of the equation. It's more about them than anything. And that's sad. You know, um, <laughs> how many glad you came today? You know, um, it's interesting because the Bible tells us in the last days that the love of many will grow cold. I've said it many times. I'll say it again. Just because everybody else's love grows cold doesn't mean yours has to. But it does say <clears throat> that many, their love will grow cold. And um, the reasons are many. I mean, there's all kinds of offenses, whether it's what people are doing or what people are saying or you know, all these different kinds of things that we're having to deal with and navigate through. Okay, but thank God we've got his word and he has told us <clears throat> how we are to respond the way he would respond. Now, I'm not trying to suggest that's always easy, but I tell you what I want to win in life. How many of you want to win in life? You know, we're talking about King Jesus, the victorious one. If you want to have victory, you're going to have to learn to walk in love. And the opposite of love isn't necessarily hate. It's selfishness. People are so selfish today. It is all about them. Everything, we, <clears throat> it's in the water you drink, and it's in the air that you breathe. So it's so counter-kingdom-minded. Uh, it's just, I'm just looking out for me, and that's all that matters. Well, I'll tell you what, what would be more important for all of us to do is decide that we're not going to be so concerned about us, but we're going to ask ourselves, how would Jesus, you know, <clears throat> used to be a big thing, they had the band, what would Jesus do? It's actually a pretty good question. What would Jesus do? How would he have me to respond to the things that I find going on in the world and the way I behave, uh, the way I carry myself, uh, my, my relationship with him. You know, all these things are kind of important if you want to ooh, succeed in life. How many of you think that's a good idea? Jesus said, I came so that you could have life and life more abundant. But of course, it has to be done his way. You remember how many times the disciples kind of, <clears throat> especially Peter, you know, try to take things into their own hands. And Jesus would say, that's not the way this works. And he would show them a biblical kingdom kind of way to approaching whatever was going on in their lives. Hallelujah. You know, when you read the scriptures and it says, you know, to pray for those that despitefully use you, bless them that curse you, and, you know, things like that, um, uh, <laughs> that's not always a lot of fun. Have any of you ever noticed that? Huh? You'd like to give them a piece of your mind. I've always said some, you know, you don't want to give up too much more of what you got there because you're going to need it all. Amen. 
talking about your mind, piece of your mind. You missed that. Anyway, <clears throat> so, um, so we live in <clears throat> these tumultuous kinds of times. Uh, uh, Paul referred to it as uh, perilous. So we have to be very, very careful as to how we live. Are you with me? You know, the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Even though he falls, he shall not be cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hands. We've all had failings. All of us have missed it. But thank God, you know, failure is not fatal unless you let it. Hallelujah. Everybody say, we're not going to let it. You know, I mean, that's just, <clears throat> you know, we make mistakes. We're, we're human. We're mortal. And thank God that's why Jesus came as the Son of God made in the likeness of man and gave his life as a ransom for us, paid the price, shed his blood, gave himself totally. You talk about selfless. He gave his entire life so that you and I could live and have life more abundant. So it's only, it, the only honorable thing for you and I to do with our lives is to the best of our ability to live them for him in a way that would be pleasing to him. Are you listening to me? Now, if you want to, you can live unto yourself, and there's a whole host of humanity. That's exactly what they're doing, and that's an unfortunate place to be in. But thank God we don't have to. Are you listening to me? So it's important for us believers, children of God, you know, to, to, give, to give attention to what it is that the Bible has to say. Are you with me? And, and here's the unfortunate thing about it is that the unfortunate thing is, is that familiarity breeds contentment. Well, I know what that says, you know, and I've heard that preacher before, and, you know, that's not really that exciting to me, and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And uh, it can be a very dangerous place for believers that have known him for many years to find themselves in. Interesting, you know, the Bible says this, uh, that in the book of Hebrews, that we're not to forsake the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much the more as we see the day approaching. Now, think about that scripture with me for a moment. First of all, it says, don't forsake. In the Old Testament, when you look at Israel, he, God warned them. He said, I'm going I'm to bring you into a land that flows with milk and honey. I, I, I consider that as a type or a, a symbol, uh, symbology, if you want to call it that, of you and I in the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you what, thank God for the Canaan land that he's moved us into. Amen. But he told them, he said, I'm going to take you into this land, and the blessing of God will rest upon you as you obey me. But then he said, but I want to warn you. He warned them all over, you know, if you forsake these commandments, these things, so on and so forth. You know, he said, after you've built these goodly houses and after you end up inheriting, you know, uh, 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 um, vines and, you know, all these things, you know, that they would inherit as a result of them entering into that land. He said, <clears throat> again, he warned them, said, when the blessing of God starts to flow, don't forget where it came from and don't forsake what it is I told you to do. Keep on doing what it is that I have told you to do. 
But again, you know, that's, that's probably the nemesis, you know, of, of most of mankind is, is again, we get comfortable and everything's pretty good. And so we just kind of, you know, let things slide a little bit. And then all of a sudden we're in no man's land. And it's a gradual thing. It doesn't happen all at once. So we, we really do need to be very, 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 very careful as to how it is that we live to be engaged in what God is engaged in in these last days. This has nothing to do with the message that I wanted to share with you this morning. Absolutely nothing. Hallelujah. But it's important because, um, you know, again, he said, not forsaking the assembly of yourselves. Now, now, I know that we all have our own rights and privileges and can do whatever it is that we want. And after all, we're free moral agents. We can choose. And, and thank God for that right of choice, right? But, but fundamentally, when Jesus rose from the dead, he rose victorious and he gave birth to the church. Huh? In other words, he said, again, as I prayed earlier, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, okay? And so the church was God's idea. Yet we see people, and I, I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not, you know, getting all over your stuff or whatever the case might be. You're probably not the quote-unquote guilty ones. I mean, but it says don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. There's something healthy. There's something holy. There's something righteous to our gathering. That's why this COVID thing is from hell, because it's done nothing but try to separate and divide people. And it is set on fire of hell. And they are in the and hell is milking it for everything that it can. So you need to, you know, I would say wake up to what's going on because it's about control and conditioning that's what's going on and it's unfortunate that people have just rolled over now I'm not I'm not minimizing um, the reality of the virus you need to take care of yourself and things like that but it has been weaponized and politicized for purposes that are unholy and ungodly. And you, child of God, need to know and understand that. Are you with me? Where was I? Oh, we're talking about the church and not, not forsaking. <laughs> um, don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together as the manner of some. So in other words, somebody was going, but now they're not. Huh? And so much the more as we see the day approaching. All right? Now, I could give you a myriad of examples of individuals who once attended church, now they're not. And I can tell you, I can talk to you about all kind, every age, you know, uh, section that you want to talk about. Millennials, old people, middle-aged, young people, all these different kinds of things. And, and I'm not their judge, okay? You know, you can do whatever it is that you want. I'm just saying that Jesus said the church is important and you need to be a part of it. And what, what I've learned 
And this is so unfortunate because people say, well, you know, it's just not like, you know, it used to be. And, you know, they got a different preacher, and I don't like him. And, and you know, then, you know, um, um, you'll hear people talking about, well, you know, they don't have a children's program. They don't have a youth program, you know. And, and so I'm going down here, and I'm going to put up with a bunch of doubt and unbelief so that my kids can be in a youth program. It, 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 you know, am I on the right page here? I'm thinking to myself, we may not be making some very wise choices, because at the end of the day, the priority for every child of God should be God and His Word. But I see all kinds of people. Where are you going to church? Well, we're not. What's, 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 up, what's up with that? Where do you pay your tithes? Well, we don't. You know, and it just goes on and on. You know, this, this, this thing, you know, that goes on in people's lives. Say, well, I don't like the preacher. Well, go find somebody that you do like. Is Rachel, is Rachel a guard here? She's not here this morning. Good, because I can talk about her. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking about when I was mowing the yard this week, and I was thinking, I, I'm trying to think how she showed up at our church. Does anybody know? Anybody know how she ended up in our church? Huh? They brought her. Okay, so... Nearly six years ago, this girl, woman, she was having problems in her marriage. She had children, things like that. She came to this church, and she got saved. And she got turned on to the Word of God. She's made a couple missionary trips and all kinds of things that she's done. And, I mean, uh, she's all in. Now, here's my point to this, is, is that this woman, with these three children that she's raising, effectively by herself, and, and she's doing all this, and she drives 72 miles one way to come to church. And typically, without fail, Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, that girl will be here. She got mad at me because we're doing the hour of power. She says, I drive all the way over here, man. I want more than an hour. <laughs> and most people are watching the clock like, come on, preacher, get, out, get it done so we can go home. So there is a... A difference. But my point to using her is certainly not ever to embarrass her, but my point is to talk to you about um, what someone is willing to do. Oh, God, give us that hunger and that faithfulness and that commitment. You know, I mean, the woman's nearly wearing her car out just to come to church. I believe God will give her another car. Better yet. Amen? <clears throat> but, but and, and the thing is, is this kind of came about about, you know, just in my conversations with people that they're not a part of this church or anything of that nature. But I started listening and I started thinking about what they were reasoning in their minds about, well, you know, got this, got that, got the other. And what's happened is, is that reasoning has taken them out of their faithfulness and their commitment, I mean, at the end of the day, to him, okay? And like I said, I don't care where people go, but if you're not engaged, I mean, I, you know, um, if you're not engaged in a church, that's a problem, Okay? And the reason is, now this is the other thing about it, is, is that will people will, you know, gradually 
and, and steadily migrate away. And then they start having problems in their life and they got nothing to hang on to. I, I'm telling you from firsthand experience, I mean, I, I'm, I'm watching this unfold because they've said, just like I said, you know, well, they don't provide this or they don't that or I don't like them and they're not the same and they're all this and that and the other. Dude, what is that? Now, I, I, I think that there certainly should be criteria. Y'all still glad you came? I can't really tell by the way your, your countenance, but I'm, I'm talking to you. But, you know, I, I, um, you know, I certainly understand that I want to be going to a life-giving church. Here's a couple right here. How far is it for you? 60-something miles. Yeah. You know, we used to go to Guthrie Center, and it was basically a beer trip. You know, we get a case of beer, we go try to find the Crunch Crunch Man in Guthrie Center. Guess what? They ain't no Crunch Crunch Man, but it's a good excuse. You say, you really did that? I wasn't saved, dude. Okay? We never did find him. We sure had a happy time. So much for... <laughs> he's not there, is he? <laughs> Amen. Well, you need to go to a life-giving church. There's no question about it. But you need to be faithful to that. You guys, if, if I'm dead and gone, at least be faithful someplace in, in paying your tithes, worshiping God, building relationships, helping others in their walk. Get in the boat and stay there. Because I venture to say that some pretty hellacious times are in front of us. Amen. Well, if you're in the ark, you're going to be okay. But if you're not, you're going to get wet. Are you with me? Okay, that's all I got to say. I feel so much better. How about you? I just, you know, I love you guys, and I, I, I say it in the context to warn you, because there are so many um, subtle reasonings that destroy and defeat people. You got a family, you get your kids, and excuse me, and your butts, and you get in church. Take your kids to church. Well, I don't want to go. Our three kids didn't want to go, but they didn't have a choice because this is what I do. So you might as well get happy. We're going. And you know what? They turned out all right. And they didn't die, even though I'm sure they thought they would. You know what I'm saying? You owe it to your kids to get them in a life-giving church where the gospel can be preached. And yes, it'll take effort, but it's about priorities. You know? So anyway, <clears throat> that's all I got to say about that. At least I think. Did you all find First John <laughs> chapter 5? How many of you think that's all right, what I just got done sharing? Yeah. Amen. Too many excuses. I said too many excuses. I guess I'm not done yet. Um, <laughs> you know, we find all kinds of reasons and, and they can be legit, you know, but they have a tendency of drawing people away. It's this, and then 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 it's this. 
and pretty soon you're not in the game. Don't be a victim of that with me. Say, yeah, but, you know, they don't this, they don't that. Here, I got a suggestion for you. If you don't like what's going on, why don't you roll up your sleeves and get involved? When my wife and I started this church, we didn't have a nursery. We didn't have a children's church. My brother-in-law is sitting back there, and, you know, he says, we need a children's church. I said, that's a good idea. Giddy up, buddy. (laughs) And you know what? He did it. And God anointed him and gifted him. And he helped God only knows how many tens of thousands of kids through the ministry of the Word of God. But what happens today, you know, that's this whole consumer thing. Man, I don't want to do anything. I just, you know, what do you got? What do you offer? Hey, church, what do you offer? You got a good children's church? Hallelujah, I'm in. You know, because I got children. They need to be taught. So you do that for me. And what about them young people? You know, I, I want to know something about that. You got a good youth program? Well, actually, we do, you know. But, but the problem is, is that if there isn't one, we don't want to roll up our sleeves. We're going hunting. Are you with me? <laughs> Thanks for your enthusiasm. <laughs> you know, I think about Rusty and Angie in the back row there. I mean, they've given 25 years probably of their lives to supporting and helping youth ministry within this church. It's awesome. You know? Yeah, it takes effort. They showed up before everybody else did, usually the last ones to leave. You know? That's kind of normal when you're when you're engaged within the body life of a church. But it's because it's important to them. Are you with me? Let it be important to you. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't know what, you know, an engagement or involvement looks like, but God did not make you uh, to be just a pew sitter. He made you to be a participant in whatever that role is. And, you know, we're not asking for a life sentence. I mean, you know, pray, ask the Lord, talk to him. Well, I tell you what, if you sign up for that, they're going to put you back there in that room. They're going to close the door and you'll, you'll never see the light of day again, man. I mean, that'll be it. That's not what we do. The, th- the fact of the matter is, is that I don't know what the number is. We haven't looked at it lately, but the number of volunteers within our church is amazing. And that's what's cool about it because, because it isn't a life sentence. There are other people that are helping to lift the load that are being engaged in the kingdom. You know. So anyway. Hi, Ted. Phyllis, I'm taking a break trying to figure out what I'm going to do next, so I thought I'd greet you all the way back from Westlaco. Was it cold down there this year? No. Only one week. Okay, yeah, all right. Praise the Lord. Birds flying back north, landing for a while. Hallelujah. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do next. Amen. Hallelujah. Everybody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Yeah, there you go. Praise God. Be careful how you reason. Are you with me? You know, I know life's busy. I mean... It, doesn't seem to get any slower. 
But sometimes, you know, we have to give some consideration to the things that are important within our life. Well, yeah, we'd like to, but, you know, you know listen, if your ship is sinking, the last thing you want to do is go up on the top deck and try to rearrange the furniture on the Titanic, okay? And I think sometimes that's what ends up happening. You say, well, what do you mean by that? I mean that when you have a problem in your married relationship, boy, I tell you what, it's all the more important for you to get some help and get some answers and to seek the Lord and find a place to where the two of you can live amiably uh, and, and not just get along with, other, with one another, but flourish. God wants you to flourish. Huh? Boy, that was an exciting, <laughs> arousing response. He does. Loves you, man. It's not, it's not just getting by. It's not just kind of getting along or whatever the case might be. But I tell you what, praise God, when you got holes to plug, you better start plugging them. Huh? <laughs> Woo! Such great news. Praise God. Because he wants, he loves you, he wants the very best for you. But we just have to pay attention to what he's saying. All right, well, we better read a scripture at least. I wouldn't want you to come to church and say, you know that preacher, he didn't even use the Bible. Okay? So here's this verse. 1 John chapter 4 or 5 and verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God, what do they do? They overcome the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our what? Faith. Our what? Faith. faith. What is faith? Well, faith is believing in what God has said and putting it into practice. Hallelujah. To be a doer of the word. In other words, we discover how it is that God would have us to live and we say, I'm having me some of that. Now you have the devil, you have your flesh, you got the world around you. You got all the other things you have to deal with in life, but thank God Jesus made you victorious. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Hallelujah. Are you with me? And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world but he that believes that Jesus is the Christ and that he's Lord? Hallelujah. I can't imagine, I can't even begin to imagine what my life would be like without Jesus. Are you listening to me? Matter of fact, I'm pretty confident I wouldn't be here anymore because of lifestyle, because of behavior, because of disobedience to God. You know, I mean, forget about, you know, uh, who's dinging? Is that me? Okay, thought somebody wanted to talk to me. Anyway, <clears throat> who knows where I would be? But thank God Jesus came. And he said, I'm going to offer you a better deal. I said, I'll take it. He said, well, but it, before, you, before you get all jumpy here, realize you're going to have to give up some stuff. I said, all right. He says, it's not going to be easy. I said, all right. He said, but I'll give you life and life more abundant. I said, all right. And praise God, he is, I mean, it is out of this world awesome. Amen? Amen. Praise God. God wants to bless you, but you've got to do it his way. You know, people, right, you know, there are people, Christians, you know, they go out and they socially party and drink, you know, and have their little time or whatever. Well, you know, a little drinking can hurt nothing. Probably not. You'll get up the next morning and whatever. But here's what I discovered in my home is that we didn't drink just a little. We drank till nobody was conscious. 
And then you wake up. And then all the stuff that you, or all the resource you had, you no longer have. Why? Because you spent it trying to get happy. And then you suffer and everybody else suffers. Are you with me? You have people today, they don't want to work. So they'll take a job. They'll work for one week. Ask anybody that owns a business. I mean, you see it all, all over the place. People got uh, hiring signs everywhere and they can't get them to work. And if they do work, you know, Daryl Spar, is he doing uh, children's ministry this, uh, this morning? Daryl works for uh, Logiers and um, supervisor there. And they need help. They could, they could use 160 new employees and they can't find them. I mean, something's wrong. And then when they do hire them, you know, then they come to work and they don't want to work. And so the supervisor's saying, hey, man, we need production. You know, this has got to happen. And they get upset and they walk out. They leave. Dear God, if you're in my church and you're a child of the living God, don't ever let me hear that or I'm going to have to pray through so that I don't strangle you. That's not the way it works. If you decide you're going to, you know, take a job and you give the person your word that you're going to work for them, show up and give them a day's work. Are you with me? But what will happen a lot of times, they'll work for a week, they get a paycheck, and then poof, they're gone. What's, what's wrong with people? Oh, yeah, it's that blessed government. Let's just, you know, take a silver bullet and shoot it. Or maybe get a stake and drive it through its heart, you know. You're always going to have the government. But thank God you don't have to live under the thumb of and the dictates of that government when they're talking about what it is that we just described. Be your own person. Praise God. Take some pride in what it is that you do. Be grateful and thankful to God that you're capable. And get on with it. Man, this is the weirdest message I've ever preached. (laughs) Hallelujah. Because you know, Sooner or later, the gravy train runs out. But by that point, they've already got you, and now you get to be their slave. You don't, you know, the world doesn't owe you anything. You know, society doesn't owe you a living. But thank God you've got the privilege to be able to go out and make your own way. And prosper and be blessed. People, you know, they want to take everything that, you know, people have and do this redistribution thing. Why in the world am I talking about this? You know? Well, guess what? Those people did something to get what it is that they got. And now you want them to share it with you while you do nothing. Am I in the right house? Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. So what am I telling you? Just don't be a part of it, man. Don't agree with it. Don't settle for it. Don't have it.
You want to finish this up for me, honey? <clears throat> it's all right, pretty soon it'll all be over. Glory to God. How about you, Mary? You don't want to finish up either, okay? I'm looking for somebody else to put the icing on the cake here. Uh, Johnny, how about you? <laughs> you're happy where you're at. Okay, yeah, great. Looking for ta takers. Praise God. Now, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So we don't allow human reasoning to rob us of what it is that God wants for us in our lives. You know, there are different individuals throughout history. For example, you know, when... Um, because of Israel's sin, um, they were laid siege to in Jerusalem. Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar came down and basically, because of sin, sin opens the door. That's what you got going on today. You know that, don't you? I mean, we've got all kinds of stuff going on. Guess what? It's opening a floodgate for hell to show up. And with that comes recompense. But it shall not come nigh thee if you walk in the light. Are you with me? So in the Old Testament, we have this example where Nebuchadnezzar came in, you know, laid, laid waste the city of Jerusalem and all of the things that represented Israel, uh, took what they wanted, left what they didn't, and uh, hauled it all back uh, to uh, wherever they went. Hallelujah. Babylon. Thank you. Went to Babylon. Well, there was Daniel, and there was Shadrach, Meshach, and away we go. Remember them? Okay. And the Bible says that these guys had some smarts. So the king says, well, let's bring them in. We'll teach them the Chaldean ways, and we'll learn what we need to learn from them, and so on and so forth. And then we'll bring them before the king, and let's just see what kind of an asset that they can become. Now, here's the point to this is, is that in the midst of becoming slaves, these men did not forsake their devotion to God. And they continued to walk in the light of what they knew as far as the word was concerned, and God kept them. I said God kept them. And guess what? He'll do the same thing for you. If you say, hey, look, I'm not compromising anything. I'm sticking with what I know, and his name is Jesus. Are you with me? Now, there was all kinds of things that happened. You know, one time, you know, the... the uh, King, you know, Nebuchadnezzar has this, this dream. He can't figure out what the interpretation is. So he calls all of his magi uh, magicians, sorcerers, you know, different ones in. And that included uh, Daniel and this group, even though they weren't part of that whole crew. And he says, I want you to not only tell me the interpretation, but tell me what the dream was. And they said, hey, man, nobody can do that. And he said, well, great. If you can't figure it out, I'm going to kill all of you. Now, we ain't got to that point yet, have we? Huh? I'd say we're in good shape so far. But that's where they were, and it was real. And so, they, you know, the king sends out his, you know, hit men and says, just start cleaning house. And, you know, all of a sudden, one comes to Daniel and asks, you know, and Daniel says, what's, what's, what's the king? He's, got, he's all knotted up. What's going on? Well, this is the deal. And he says, tell the king to give me a moment, and I'll... I'll bring him word. So what's he do? He goes to his father in heaven. 
and says, God, what's going on? And God gives him that dream. Everybody say, hallelujah. hallelujah. You know, that was a good day for a whole lot of folk, even the music, uh, magicians. Why do I say musicians? <laughs> I don't either. Magicians, sorcerers, a bunch of devil-worshiping outfits, you know. But he interpreted not only the dream, but he, or, but he also told him what the dream was. He said, there's nobody like Daniel. And he got elevated. Can you imagine getting elevated or exalted in the midst of a mess? That's what God can do. Huh? I said, huh? You're his child. Why couldn't he? See, the thing is, is if we'll follow hard after him. Now, you know, <clears throat> Daniel had his guys that hated him. You know, conspiracies against him. They said, there's no way we can find fault with this guy unless it has to do something about his Christianity or his religion. They said, I tell you what, let's go smooge up to the king, say there's nobody like him, and make a decree that nobody can worship any other image or anything like that but the king for 30 days. Because they knew that Daniel would not change, he would not compromise, and he would not quit worshiping God the way he did three times a day. Glory to God. So what ends up happening? Of course, sure enough, they find him, you know, praying to someone besides Nebuchadnezzar. And he said, you sealed it with the signet of your ring. This guy needs to die. Now, the king knew why they had done it out of spite. You know, you got to understand when you're a believer and child of God, not everybody likes you. But it's not your fault. They didn't like Jesus. Huh? So anyway, he ends up for an overnight stay in the lion's den. And again, the king knew why it is that they had conspired against him the way they had. And he said, oh, Daniel, beloved of God, he's going to keep you. Well, you know, <laughs> if you're the one going in there, you might have a little opportunity to wonder a little bit. But the king was confident. Spent a night sleepless. Woke up the next day, went to the den. Said, oh, Daniel, is your God able? And Daniel goes, oh, king, live forever. Hallelujah. What a happy day. Well, you know what? Those lions, they missed supper and breakfast. You know that, don't you? So what did the king do? <laughs> he rounded up all the folk that were in on this deal, and the lions had a feast. In other words, they ended up taking the place of what was intended for Daniel. Could you think God could do that for you? Yes. Amen. I believe he can. Amen. Amen? But you've got to behave yourself wisely. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Here they go. Same deal. They make this image. Everybody's going to bow down. They said, we ain't bowing to that. We ain't buy, we ain't, we're not bowing to cultural um, you know, accommodation or whatever they think is right. We ain't doing it. They said, well, if you don't bow, you're going to burn. They said, so be it. But our God is able. You know, it's cool. He's, you know, they said he's going to deliver us. And even if he doesn't, we're not bowing down to that thing. Woo, glory to God. We're getting ready for a new testimony. Amen. And so they didn't, you know, the whole story. Guess what? Jesus showed up in the furnace with them. Hey, boys, warm in here today, isn't it? Yeah. Getting a suntan? How's it going? And they came walking out of there. 
Isn't that awesome? You think God could do that for you? I guarantee you he could. Hallelujah. So thank God we're on the victor's side. Isn't that right? King Jesus. But we need to walk with him. Amen. I, I say this again. I say it with, you know, just warning and caution. Be careful about the reasoning that people have for not being a part or engaged within the kingdom of heaven. You need to be engaged more now than ever before. And so much the more as we see the day approaching. People are not perfect. You know, I think sometimes, you know, we, we, we kind of, you, you know, you get in the, in the church, you know, and, and, and you start looking down your nose at people. Dude, you don't have to spend very much time with somebody and you're going to find some faults. Holy cow. Huh? But the, that's why the Bible says that you and I are to forbear one another in love. Forbearing means put up with people. And they're little idiosyncrasies. You don't understand it. You go, what in the world's up with that? But you just keep walking in love. You don't talk about it. You don't, you know, get all irritated about it. You don't whatever, whatever. Am I in the right house? <laughs> Especially as you get older. Because when you get older, well, you just know everything. You got this whole deal figured out. What's the matter with them? You know, and we get cynical and critical and judgmental. My God, what's wrong with them? Don't they know any better? Evidently not. But you know, maybe your prayers could help affect it. Well, I don't want to pray. <laughs> you sound like the devil, man, <laughs> you know. Hallelujah. Woo! Well, you know, it's coming up on 11. You've made it this far. Hour and 15 minutes you've endured. Praise God. Wasn't that worship awesome? Yes. It was really good. So, um, here's my warning to you. Don't let yourself get caught in this thing that, that I see so many. And I'm telling you, here's the thing about it. Don't get, well, let me finish my statement first. Don't get caught in, in what many people have become ab absorbed in where, I, you know, there's, there's always going to be failings. People are mortal, you know, sometimes, especially in leadership. Remember Jim Baker? Some of you don't even know who Jim Baker is, okay? Or, or Jimmy Swaggart. You know, these, these guys. And, um, and uh, National Ministries. Rock, Jimmy Baker, or uh, Jimmy, uh, uh, what's the other guy? Swagger. Dude, I'm telling you what, he was turning this world upside down. And I, when I say world, I'm talking globally. Well, he's a target for the devil. Why? Because he's, he's doing some damage to hell's kingdom. Are you with me? So why wouldn't he become a target to be set up? You say, well, how can a guy do something like that? Well, dude, how do you take your tongue and whip and lash somebody, you know, and never think a thing about it and just walk on and do your stuff? Sin is sin. It just manifests itself in different ways. And he failed. He, he failed. You know? 
We've had, I didn't know this, I went to a conference with my son Brian, and we were at this conference, they were talking about 20 individuals, pastors, that have failed in the last year over this whole thing, you know, stuff comes out and all kinds of problems and so on and so forth. See, when there's not accountability, you can do whatever you want, thinking that you'll never get caught, and you do. And that's true not only of leadership, that's true of all of us. Dude, if I just go hide and disappear, I can do whatever I want. Well, yeah, you can, but you're with me. So, so when there's a failing, you know, and this is what I don't understand. If there's a failing, why would I say, well, then I'm done with that? Why would I do that? Because someone else had a, had a failing, why would I say, well, I'm, I'm not going to church anymore because they're all a bunch of hypocrites? Well, not all of them. Huh? How am I doing? She's, she's closing her eyes and just encouraging me. <laughs> she's the most encouraging woman you'll ever meet. Praise God. Amen. She just never thought it was going to go like this. It's one of them family meetings. It'll do you good. You say, well, what are you doing? I'm, I'm, you know, praise God, I'm cleaning out the cobwebs and I'm killing the spiders that made them. Hallelujah. Because sometimes, you know, it's like the frog in the kettle, man. I mean, we're just getting cooked and we don't know it until somebody comes along like me. <laughs> and, you know, says, what are you doing, knothead? Stop it. You know, that kind of thing. So you'll run into people in your acquaintance and different things like that. And you'll have an opportunity to probably engage in a conversation like this. And, and I don't, you're not, you know, God's police and, you know, by golly, I'm, I'm going to make this right or anything like that. But, you know, you need to speak the truth in love to those people. And so you might just want to think this over and think of it this way. Because our kids, they need Jesus. If you're not in church, how can they get him? I mean, know him. You know, I think about what April and what Daryl is doing to help your kids understand the Bible, understand the Word of God, be taught the Word of God. Dude, that's precious. Are you listening to me? What my son Brian's doing with the youth, you know, and others that are helping him. Are you with me? So everybody say it together. Thank God for the local church. Thank God for a life-giving church. Thank God for a church that believes the Bible, that believes faith can change your world. I'm telling you what, faith will change your life, dude. Well, you know, I don't, you know I've been doing that and it ain't working. <laughs> I can't tell you in 43 years how many times I've heard that. Well, obviously it's not your fault. It must be Something or someone else. I'm just going to leave that there. We, we all have that susceptibility. It's, it's, it's part of the fallen nature. You know, it's the nature of sin to blame someone or something else. Adam, when, you know, when he was confronted, you know, God says, what's wrong? Why are you afraid? He says, well, it's that woman right there. You gave me. So he blamed her and him. It's not my fault. 
Huh? I'm, I'm just a victim here. You know? If it hadn't been for her and what you created, we wouldn't be having these problems. No, and you would be one lonely outfit and probably messed up. He said it's not good for men to be by themselves. Did you know that? So anyway, uh, I guess anybody that wants to argue that point can take it up with Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Well, I'm done. Okay, I'm done. It's it, 10.59 is what the clock is saying. We're up on the 11 o'clock hour. This is going to be the quickest message that you've ever had for a while. Is that, would that be all right? Did you all learn something this morning? You say, well, I don't know what I learned, but I listened a lot. Well, hopefully you learned something. Go tell your friends to get in church and be faithful. And say, you know, the Bible says a faithful man will abound with blessings. I know sometimes it's not convenient. But I also know that, praise God, when you make it a priority, God will bless you for it. And that's a great place to stop. Let's all stand. Praise the Lord. Woo! Glory to God. Well, hallelujah. I never thought Linda's going to the piano. Maybe she'd preach for us. No? Okay. She says, don't even bring that up. Praise God. Would you bow your heads with me for just one moment? Father, we're so grateful. God, I thank you for our church family. And we thank you, Father God, for even those that couldn't be here with us today. But God, we pray that, you'll, that we'll be found faithful in what it is that you've asked us to do. God, we know that a lot of things have happened in our lives and different matters that have gone on. But God, at the end of the day, it's really about you. It's all about you. And so I just want to thank you, Father, for these precious people. I thank you, Lord God, for their commitment to you. I thank you for what it is they've done in raising their families, Father God. I thank you for the blessing of God that they've enjoyed because of it. Father, it's never in vain. It's never in vain. It's never in vain. It's never in vain. Hallelujah. While your heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I have a word of encouragement for some of you. Because, you know, sometimes uh, we have gone through life and we've done our best and endeavored, you know, to raise our families and do different things. And, you know, they've come to a place of accountability and, and their own choosing. And maybe they've chose some things that, well, are less than, you know, what your desire is for them. Don't be ashamed and certainly do not be discouraged because there's seed that's been planted in them. And over the over the, over the space of time, these matters will be brought to full fruition within their lives. So be encouraged. Rest in the Lord. Trust Him for a work to be done in their lives and in their hearts. And you'll see a turnaround, a change. And they'll come breakthrough and you'll be glad and you'll rejoice and be happy. Because God is a God who watches over His Word to perform it and is faithful in all that he has said. And praise God, he'll bring it to pass. Father, we pray for those that may be estranged from you in different ways. Father God, doesn't make any difference, Father God, but we pray for them, that their hearts may be turned, that they may be enlarged toward the things of God. And Father God, I thank you for your grace, your amazing grace, Father, that brings forgiveness, that washes over them, Father. Yeah. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and goodness toward them. We thank you, Father God, for your blessing in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Hallelujah. 
And so as we conclude our service here today, Father God, help each and every one of us, Father, to do our part, to discover our place, Father, to be engaged within the kingdom of God and what it is you would have us to do, because the time is short and Jesus is coming again soon. And so, Father, we thank you for the culmination of all things, just as you said. Everything, Father God, will play it out, play out just as you said. And we're just grateful, Father, that we have that hope within our lives. And we thank you, Father God, for your blessing in Jesus' name. While your heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around. Of course, this wasn't our subject. But we'd never, ever want to take anything for granted if you happen to be here. You've never made a decision for Christ. You know, the Bible says there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, and that's true. And all of us are going to stand before him and give an account. So if you've never asked him to be the Lord of your life, come into your heart and repented of your sin to make Jesus Lord, but you'd say by your uplifted hand, Pastor, would you pray for me? I have an interest in your prayer. Can I see your hand anywhere as I look? Again, I would never want to take anything for granted. Is there one? Thank you, ma'am. God bless you. You can put your hand down. Is there anybody else you've never asked him to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life? All right, congregation, we're going to pray together. We're going to help this person that responded. Hallelujah. And we're going to help them to invite Christ into their heart and be the Lord of their life. So if you would just follow me in this prayer, uh, the one that raised their hand along with anybody else who may have not raised your hand but probably should have, if you'll let this prayer come out of your heart, praise God, God can make a difference in your life as well. Let's pray together. Say this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today without any reservations, and I ask you, to forgive me of all my sin. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. And I thank you for your amazing grace to give me life. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Glory to God. Amen. All right, you may be seated.